I got I got chopped off uh, there by an incoming phone call. Yeah. Um, and half the time I can't remember where I'm up to in these episodes because I chat, 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 you know, and um, driving along. And uh, then a call comes in from work, so I deal with that. Uh, but then my mind is taken right away from whatever I'm talking about here. And, you know, I'm talking about software or something. Um, and then I come back to here and I sort of think to myself, now what the hell was I talking about? It's actually a bit surreal sometimes, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, we need to get that project in. Boom, boom, boom. You know, I'm thinking about all that sort of stuff, you know. This is why I like to keep my mind pretty loosey-goosey because I have to flip about a bit. And, and then I come back and, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, you know, the Romans uh, in the in the third century, you know. Yeah, anyway, about those Romans, except I'm not talking about that. Um, look, vaguely, and I do forget where I was up to. Um, look, I do remember saying you're an idiot if you don't defend yourself. Um, but then again, you know, oh, look, I'm not going to get into a debate about that, you know, blaming the victim and all that sort of stuff. But you are an idiot if you don't have a defence force. Um, and whatever whatever train of thought I was on there, just imagine it kept going, you know, without me, okay? You, you catch that train. Uh, I'm going to just sit at the station here and think about something else. Um, and I, um, I, I, do, I do remember briefly mentioning that there is a new book out in Australia, or Australia, um, Australia, and uh, it's written by, and, and, it, it, and it was discussed on the BBC World Service this morning, and it painted Australia as a bad country. And the reason for that is because we are. All right, I'm glad I settled that. Um, now, um, but we're a wonderful country uh, as well. You know, we're a shocking country and we're a great country. Uh, I love Australia, you know, I love living in Australia. Um, how can I enjoy Australian culture? And I do, love going to the footy, you know. But when I go to the footy, that's on in land we stole from the indigenous people. You know, how can I even enjoy that? Well, you know, I'm not going to think about that too much. Yeah. I'm going to be very representative of the average Australian and just, ah, just enjoy it, you know. I know some really beautiful people, compassion and all that sort of stuff, yeah. and they're rich as anything and they've got sprawling mansions and all that sort of stuff. Um, and they're always talking about the refugees and the, you know, indigenous people and how we've got to be good to people and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, and yet... And how we've got to look after the climate and all that sort of stuff. And they're flying everywhere all the time. Oh, yeah, but they're, you know, oh, no, we purchased carbon offset credits. Oh, yeah. Pull the other one. Yeah, Daryl. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I know. I'm, 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 I'm living the high life. I'm having a wonderful life. I just flit over, you know, I go Paris, Milan, everywhere, every day. But I'm rich, so I purchase carbon credits. Carbon, so I'm flying carbon neutral. Yeah. And I sort of think, you're still burning gas somehow. I don't know. I don't know the clever maths that goes into that and the clever politics that goes in that. But somehow you're sitting in an aeroplane, and underneath the fuselage, there's high-grade um, gas burning. At a million miles an hour, just these huge jets, and you're having some champagne up there, relaxed, and hugging yourself about how beautiful you are, um, rescuing the planet. And there's just this 
furnace of high-grade AV gas, which takes so much oil to make, you know, because it's highly refined in the extreme, you know. So, you know, it's okay, you know. I'm reading my magazine, in in-flight magazine, and, um, and I, I just, and, 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 you know, there was a refugee on the plane, and I met him, and I just, I just wrote a check out to him for a thousand dollars, um, just because I wanted to succeed. I loved him, and uh, and I've got a rainbow ribbon on my lapel, and um, I'm a good person, and I'm off to Milan, you know, and I'm going to the opera. <laughs> I don't know. We managed to do these things, you know. That person's a bastard, and I'm a bastard too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and this person's got you know might have a sprawling mansion on Aboriginal land, and um, and whilst that person and I, you know, might cry crocodile tears for um, people not in uh, as privileged situation as we are, you know, such that we can get rich and then uh, be philanthropic. You know, but the point is, we did have the chance to get rich and then dole out, you know, even ten or twenty percent of that to beautiful charitable charitable causes. But we're still living off the other eighty percent and loving it. <laughs> We've got this sewn up. You do know you can get to be a saint. Uh, you can have everything, the privilege, the whole bit, and still feel like you're going to go to heaven and still be going to heaven. You know, um, in your mind. You know, you can be a saint and a good person and rich as all get up, you know, like Meryl. You can be Meryl. We can be Meryl here in Australia. That's our culture. We do have that opportunity. This is a land of opportunity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people like me have got more opportunity than, you know, people with um, uh, non-freckly pasty skin. Aha, that's what I was talking about. Um, I, do, I do remember talking about that, um, the White Australia policy. Yes, leading up to the White Australia policy, and you know, I've just shifted trains right there, um, of thought. And uh, it, it was a real, I think, um, co- more complicated debate than straight racism. It was about living conditions. And the fact of the matter is, if the White Australia policy, which I think they should have called the European Australia policy, you know, um, we will only accept people who want to live like Europeans. You know, that's what they were really trying to say, who are going to have high living conditions. We only want people here who, you know, um, are happy to have wide boulevards, you know, who have a culture of wanting wide boulevards, four, you know, quarter-acre blocks, um, and... Yeah, you know, what we call Australian living, you know, um, and uh, you know the Australian ideal of the way we want to live, and you know the fact of the matter is, if we had let, if we'd opened the borders back then, uh, look, I'm driving right through Q Junction at the moment, and around here, it's just beautiful. You know, I think my suburb's even more beautiful, you know, because it's a bit bit crowded here in um, Q. And, uh, and I'm just heading into Hawthorne. It's all lovely, you know. Um, it wouldn't look like this um, had we had open borders. Now, you might say, oh, well, you should have had open borders and just learned to live like that. Well, didn't want to. You know, that was the debate leading up to 1901. Didn't want to. Yeah, but you should have wanted to. Everyone should live in, you know, as squalid or crowded conditions as 
whoever is living the most crowded and squalid conditions, you know, because you always go to lowest common denominator when it comes to living conditions in that sense, you know, culturally. Um, but, you know, look, what I was getting at a while ago, and I do remember sort of what I was talking about, see, this is where the disjointed stuff comes in. Um, they looked around the world, and all the Western countries were living with, uh, well, I'll just call it high living conditions and high wages, and all the other countries were living like crap as far as they were concerned. You know, I do remember using the word crap, you know, so that's become a little trigger for me. I remember that. And and the, the, the maths in their minds was fairly simple. Listen, we either put a policy in place so that we protect ourselves from descending into that sort of living and that sort of, sort of wages regime, um, or we don't. So will we or won't we, and just about everyone, I think, voted yes, we need to do something here. Or, you know, we will be in the minority against the Chinese flooding down, all that sort of stuff, and there'll be essentially a Chinese nation, you know, at the time, you know, that was the most likely thing. Well, is that any different to the debate right now? We haven't changed at all. We're still debating that. This is all hinting at Australian culture, but I never pick up the newspaper full stop. No, just joking. I, I, you know, I, rarely do I pick up the newspaper these days or listen to the radio where openly we are um, eagerly debating the merits of limiting Chinese influence in Australia you know, and trying to keep the Chinese out, basically. You know, um, trying to stop them owning places. We're putting legislation in place stopping Austro- uh, Chinese people buying Australian land uh, because they're all rich now, you see. But by and large, we are just debating the same sorts of things um, oh, with tweaks. You know, we've got a Chinese communist hyper-capitalist government now, a very different government than was, you know, that existed in 1899 in China. But it's still the yellow peril. And um, really, the debate is anti-Chinese rhetoric. Now, if you think I'm... I'm, um, I'm twisting things such that I'm saying that, you know... Um, uh, the, uh, the debate in 1901 um, was more racist in a sense than um, the debate right now, which all sides of uh, politics seem to be going along with, and that's left and right, you know, uh, limiting Chinese influence and Chinese land ownership and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, no one's really uh, going on hunger strikes to try and stop us doing that. You know, uh, everyone's um, going along with it. You know, um, without protesting enough, if you like. If you think that... Interrupted again, of course. And, uh, yeah, what I was saying is, if you think that we are... were more racist back then to have a white Australia policy and are less racist now for not having a white Australia policy... Well, just ask a Chinese person what they think of all this rhetoric. Yeah. Um, go to Box Hill. I'm, I'm on my way to Box Hill, actually. And, uh, and um, right now. And that's just Chinese sort of city. Uh, and uh, go there and just ask someone there and say, listen, do you think Australians are being fair you know, or non-racist in the way that we consider, China, you know, think about Chinese influence on Australia. They'll say, no, you're just as bad as you ever were. You know, so we are. This all hints at Australian culture. Okay. Um, I make 
I, I may disagree. I don't know what I think, you know. Okay. But anyway, um, speaking of whatever I was speaking about, look, there, there was a time there in this episode where I was speaking about a book that's being written that was discussed on the BBC, which I never seem to be getting to. Um, and it was by, and it is by, a refugee who uh, tried to come by boat, just like Captain Cook. No, not just like Captain Cook. That's what I was saying, you know. A refugee is not a boat person in the same way that the English were boat people coming to Australia back then. There's a complete deal, you know. No, you can't just say that. It's not about, you know, this is not about Australians being good, this episode. It's about the fact that the English came here um, and uh, to occupy, you know, just to have... Um, and the refugees are trying to sneak in. It's a very different thing, you know. We came just here in broad daylight, just bloody took the thing, you know. Refugees aren't doing that. Refugees are desperately trying to sneak in because, um, because we don't, you know, we're trying to stop them, you know. It's just different, you know. Um, okay, there might be some moral argument, but I'm not talking about morals here. I'm talking about who's got the power. That sort of stuff, you know. Um, okay. Uh, so, um, alright, a moral episode, that's pretty interesting. Oh, I'll probably run with that. Anyway, uh, so, uh, this guy, he was on Manus Island for six years. Uh, yeah, long story, blah, 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 Pacific Solution. Um, a part of our culture is we were, I think, one of the two countries in the world who, during the refugee crisis, Syria and all that sort of stuff, uh, I think we were one of the two countries who were strongest on border control and don't let them in, you know, that sort of thing. And I think it was us and Hungary, which would probably get the vote for the two the two greatest countries on earth uh, at that time with policies like that. And I think we had Tony Abbott in charge at the time. Um, and, you know, there was uh, websites, you know, F Tony Abbott, you know, and all that sort of stuff for his policies and he went down as a pariah in history for his policies towards refugees you know they don't let them in stop the boats and all that sort of stuff well as it turns out um the whole world has tony abbott's uh policies in place now and i mean on every continent you know african countries asian countries uh western countries all of us you know tony abbott um had a really strong stop the boats type of mentality, and you know, um, and places like Norway, you know, and all these wonderful Scandinavian countries were heavily criticising us. You know, the Tampa affair and all that sort of stuff. Well, that was back in John Howard's time, uh, and um, heavily criticising us. But they're doing the same thing now. You know, I, I heard I can't remember whether it was Sweden or Norway or something, but they were building trenches to stop refugees coming across. You know, by land, so um, yeah, so they're not doing you know, and our trenches stop the boats on the water, you know, um, but they're all doing it now. They're all doing what Tony Abbott was doing. They've all got Tony Abbott's policies, all of them. Um, right. Uh, so, but anyway, this um, refugee, uh, ex-refugee, he's in New Zealand now. New Zealand's such a beautiful place, you know. We've got Jacinta Ardern Envy. In Australia, because we wish we were just as compassionate as that. We, were, we wish we were as compassionate as New Zealand, because they're beautiful people. Um, 
and we're north. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, he's in New Zealand at the moment and he's written a book about his experiences in the concentration camps that we set up, you know, which to a certain extent they are. Look, they're not in the Nazi sense. I'm being a bit flippant with my you know, use, choice of words. Um, they, um, you know, they weren't concentration camps, really. What were they? They were... Oh, and they're still there, by the way. Um, actually, Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, now is trying to broker some deal where New Zealand will take them. Yeah. We're just desperate about... Um, we don't want to be flooded. Yeah, if we let them in, yeah, this is the thinking anyway, then, boom, you know, they'll start coming in their thousands again like they did last time, uh, that we, we closed the camps... And, uh, and when that did happen, yes, look, it is a fact, you know, I think 1,200 drowned, you know, Mediterranean style, except in between Timor and here, um, you know, and, they were, and the newspapers were full, oh, gee, shocking images, you know, babies, you know, falling into the water, just drowning right there on the spot, you know, whole families drowning, you know, it was pretty bad, and um, body, you know, people, refugees getting smashed up against the rocks, and Labour, which is a left-leaning, um, uh, government uh, of a party um, were in charge at that time, you know, because we flip about 10 years at a time, basically, roughly. Um, we have Liberal, you know, for 10 years, which is our right-leaning, and then we have Labour you know, for 10 years, you know. But at that time, you know, Liberals, you know, this is all, all hints at our culture, um, had a uh, put a Pacific solution in place where we would stop the boats, yeah, because the idea was stop the boats from coming to Australia and, you know, force refugees to come in through proper channels, you know, whatever they, whatever they are, you know what I mean? And then Labor came in and tried to be really good left progressive wing people um, and closed down the camps and, you know, started... And then, bang! It was amazing, actually. Um, the instant they shut the camps... Um, what liberal said would happen did happen and this has been a real head scratcher you know because back when liberal were saying listen if we close the camps that will trigger an immediate flood of refugees and we won't know how to control that you know the romans back in the ancient times know about that they had a flood of refugees once and it brought rome down so there is there are precedents you know the crisis of the third century you know they had german refugees coming down into the roman empire and those German, empire, those German uh, refugees ended up um, completely flattening the capital of the Roman Empire, which was Milan at the time. Um, I think that was the capital at that time. The, the capital used to shift about. And then they sacked the city of Rome itself. And that would be, you know, and that sent a shudder through the classical world at the time. Um, and these were refugees, you know, I mean, they were Germans rather than Syrians, but what's the difference, unless you're racist, you know? But Germans and Syrians are the same. They were, you know, they were both feral kind of refugees at the time, back then. And, you know, um, Australia reasoned that what happened in Rome, they weren't sort of uh, debating that because, they, you know, we don't use history that well in Parliament. Um, but they were saying, if we shut the camps, there will be a flood. And, you know, there will well, what, what we would call lefties, saying, oh, that is just, you know, they chortled. That is just ridiculous, you know. You were playing politics. It's absolutely, utterly stupid. Ridiculous, you know. I'm giving some emphasis to my tone of voice because um, I want to accentuate what's coming up next in what I'm about to say. 
you know. And, you know, people would have been getting on Facebook and all, but that, I wasn't on Facebook at the time, and I'm not now, you know. But um, there would have been chortling, you ridiculous bloody fascist, that is the most stupid thing. There is no way that's going to trigger thousands and thousands of people suddenly hopping in a boat if we just bring 25, you know, or 250 refugees in from the concentration camps, you know, as they would call them. Um, or, as I would call them, the, you know, shove them somewhere else and forget about them camps. You know, maybe that's what I would call them, you know, um, and, and, and let them rot, you know, somewhere else as a deterrent to the others. Anyway, the point I'm making is not whether we're good or bad. I'm just saying what happened. And what happened is the Labor governments came in and they said, we're going to shut the camps. It triggered an immediate flood of refugees and a genuine flood such that, you know, forget about the ones that got here safely, something like 12 or 1300 drowned. There was such, you know, the scramble to get to Australia was so immediate and so large that we even had something like 1200 or 1300 families drowning at sea, you know, entire families getting dashed up against rocks, jagged rocks, you know, and being smashed into bits and pieces. You know, I want to be, I want to actually sort of drive the point home to say what we're talking, you know, to try and understand how our left-wing party, the Labour Party, then changed its mind and said, oh no, we're going to open the camps again. It wasn't the Liberal Party that opened the camps again. It was our left-wing Labour Party that opened the camps again. That's bizarre, isn't it? You know, it wasn't even uh, the bad guys, the, the Conservatives, the Liberals. It wasn't even the bad guys that did it. It was the good guys that did it. They opened the camps again because of what happened. I, uh, I'll just leave that right alone. But the point is when they did open the camps again, ah, uh, people started being sent there again you know it went straight down to a trickle again the boats pretty much stopped again which proved john howard the liberal leader of the time right you know because he predicted all of this and he was right he did some wrong things too you know john howard made some huge mistakes by his own admission um he bowled that cricket ball very badly in that photo opportunity you know but he also you know he had this work choices thing which brought him down and um, also, going into Iraq was a bad idea, but I've argued that we didn't have much choice on that. You know, we had to go with um, uh, George W. Bush. George Bush, W. Bush seems like an idiot, um, but we had two highly intelligent leaders get behind him and say, this guy is a genius. Um, and that was Tony Blair in England and John Howard in Australia, uh, both you know, very smart cookies, and here they are backing the dummy. But, but, you know, that's what you get when, uh, when we are dependent on the US for our very survival. Are we? Well, I think we are, unless you want to be China. People say, hey, why should we? You know, the Chinese are no worse than the US. We should go with China. Have you seen, well, have you seen Hong Kong lately? Go and, ask, go and interview someone in Hong Kong. See if you still think that. You know, everybody's watching Hong Kong now and say, oh, um, oh, crikey. Uh, the US is a basket case in a bad place. Uh, but China can be pretty scary. And right there, I'm sounding like someone who might vote for the White Australia policy back then. I'm sounding like someone who, if I was put back in 1900 or 1901, I would vote for the White Australia policy. Would you? Back then? 
I think you would. I think you would. Uh, but I can't prove that. I'll leave it right alone. Anyway, so this um, refugee, um, he um, has written a book. Now, what refugee? Well, what happened was, after we opened the camps again, the, you know, shove them somewhere else in the Pacific and forget about them camps um, as a deterrent to all the other would-be refugees. Uh, what happened was some poor bloke who appears to have been a genuine refugee, you know, a lot of refugees aren't genuine. Uh, you think I don't know? Well, I do know. You know, I'm in, I'm in contact with people who know refugees in the whole system. Yeah. Um, if you're a young lady and you go and visit some people over in one of those other countries, they'll immediately um, dress you up in a wedding dress and put you next to some bloke in the village and uh, take your photo um, just in case they need that photo later to prove that they that, that person has married someone to get over into Australia. And they're not even genuine refugees because they're fine. You know, they, they've got enough money. They're not, they're not being discriminated against in their own country. You know, they might be even in the ruling class, you know, but they just want to get over to Australia. It does happen. Bad luck. You know, and people say, oh, no, all, all refugees are genuine, you know. There's a whole industry of um, people um, uh, who aren't in danger and don't need asylum, you know, aren't in danger in their own country and don't need asylum in another country and have got iPhones and cars and all that sort of stuff and um, are just lying, cheating their way into Australia, pushing themselves ahead of real refugees. You know, what the bloody fascist right wing are always claiming is happening. Well, it does happen. You know, just because someone's a fascist doesn't mean they're lying. You know, um, fascists can tell the truth too. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, getting off that, there does seem to be this guy who was a genuine refugee who tried to hop in a boat, come to Australia, diverted to Manus Island and rotted there for six years, you know, shocking. And throughout that whole six years, I was off, I had a membership to the footy and I was going to the footy and I was having a really good life. I had a lovely life the whole time he was, and he was, I think it was between 2006 and 2012, he was on Manus Island, rotting, you know. Meanwhile, I had a great life. I had a wonderful life during those years. How could I have had a great, how could I have, how did I sleep knowing that that guy was rotting? Because I did, you know, I knew. I knew, I, you know, I follow politics, I really do. So I knew there were people rotting on Manus Island, and yet I was, um, and yet you could see me down in our coffee strip, gaily chatting away with people, you know, al fresco, having a latte with all my friends on any given day. You could see that, you know, and laughing and smiling and having a really good life, well-fed, well-coffeed, you know. But the funny thing is, I wasn't a hypocrite because I was saying I was a bastard for enjoying myself while those people rotted. But there were there are a lot of other people I used to talk to at the time who claimed they were compassionate and actually really cared, and they really didn't, you know, because they were. You could see them laughing al fresco gaily uh, down in my coffee strip too, um, and talking about what beautiful, compassionate saints they were. But you know, they were having a good life too. You know, you can have your cake and eat it. Um, they say you can't, but a lot of people can, you know. Meryl Streep I, always strikes me as one of those people, and Paul McCartney too. They get to be, like, super rich and just live great and be good people to saints in their heads, 
you know. And to a certain extent, most Australians are like that too. But anyway, getting back to this guy who rotted in a concentration camp. Well, I chuck them away and put them in the camps and forget about them, um, you know, uh, camp. And, um, and it is a stinging, apparently the book, you know, it was talked about on the BBC, is a stinging um, criticism of Australia, you know, as a shocking place. And I'll just finish this um, little chat by saying I'm not going to read the book, but I would lay odds that um, if I did, I would say, you know what, he's got a good point. Because I think we are bastards. You know? But, you know, trying to prove we're not is not what this episode's all about. I'm just trying to um, have a chat about Australian culture, and I couldn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to try and alter your thinking about whether Australian culture is good or bad or saintly or evil. You know, I'm not, tr- you know, that's not my objective. My objective is just to um, stream of consciousness style, just chat about Australian culture, whatever comes to my head first, and you make it of what you will. You know, it's only if you're on social media where people are trying to tell you how to think. I'm not. You think what you want. You know? But anyway, I've landed at, at one of my destinations, with, which is in Glen Ferry Road in Hawthorne, and um, at a friend's place. Beautiful place. It's on Indigenous land, you know. How can we enjoy these places, you know? The mansion, you know. Um, this is Indigenous land, but it doesn't feel like it. There's a tram track going right up the middle here, and uh, every house is a mansion around here, and it's just beautiful. And I actually, I'm only just down the road from the Melbourne Hotel where I was the other day, and I think there's some audio on this episode. In fact, I know there's some audio on this episode because I was here only last weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, in the shambles that is the unstructured nature of this episode, you'll probably hear me talking about um, how good it feels you know, to be part of Australian culture in the Malvern Hotel on a rainy Sunday, cosy, watching the cricket and just loving it. How can I love it? Well, I don't know, I just do. We humans are very funny, you know? We can compartmentalise, can't we? I can actually enjoy Australian culture, even though I know it's destroying so many lives, I can still enjoy it, you know? And probably the only thing that I sort of um, am keen on being is not a hypocrite, you know? But is that good enough? No, of course it's not. I'm a bastard. All right, that's a good, that's a nice, nice way to finish that little segment. Uh, let's get back to whatever I was talking about, and it's probably disjointed. But you're getting a bit of a slice of Australian culture from my perspective anyway, as you listen to this podcast. Um. Yeah, we might just get it together eventually with the Indigenous people, except the ones that are all dead by now. And, yeah, in any... Uh, in any revolution, in any, any evolution, you know, you always say, oh, we got there, you know, reconciliation. Uh, but there's always a tragedy in that, you know, because um, not for the people who died, <laughs> they didn't get to see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, anyway, um, so, um, what was I talking about? Uh, 
immigration. Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. As I do sometimes, you know, I make no apologies for that. This is live podcasting. You get what you get. Uh, but um, uh, immigration. What was I talking about? I actually can't remember. I don't usually lose my train of thought that badly, as you probably know. Uh, um, oh yeah, good people, bad people. Yes, this is. Um, yeah, this is a podcast where I'm not, you know, I'm trying to respond to that. You know, I'm sort of responding to that a bit, you know, where you know, someone might come to Australia and say, you know, this place, you know, we, we have all the culture and you have none. And, you know, all I'm trying to say is, you know, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're uneducated. You're uneducated. You know, this is a powerful, yeah, we've got a powerful culture. Most Western countries, you know, developed Western nations are hugely powerful. You know, and we are too. You know, so far, you know, until the Chinese come down and make both us and the indigenous people irrelevant, <laughs> which is what you know, that—that's the thought I almost had. Um, yeah, we're, we're pushing for reconciliation with the indigenous people, and uh, and this is just a joke. Uh, but imagine we're all slaves. Yeah, you know, the, the Chinese uh, influence um, takes over, and you might think I'm being anti-Chinese. Did I talk about before? Because you know I'm doing this podcast over a few days. Um, how um, the rhetoric leading up to the White Australia policy uh, was you know, rather pretty much anti-Chinese more than anything. You know, it was almost you know, the White Australia policy was it more an anti-China policy? You know, we're scared of the Chinese coming down. 